Well, I'm delighted to say that joining the show now, the man, the myth, the legend that is. I, I swear we get more tweets about this man every week than we do about the games themselves. The wonderful Greg Papa is with us. Mr. Papa, how are you, sir? Slight hyperbole, Will. Um, I, first of all, I missed you. It's been weeks and months. I didn't know where you went. I mean, we are, we are winning. We won seven games in a row. We won the NFC West. We're the hottest team in, in football. So I've missed you, but I can't wait to talk uh, Niners football with you. I know you had Dre Greenlaw earlier, and wow, is he playing well. So, so much, so much going on here. So exciting. Maybe I'm a, just a superstitious man, and I knew that while we're on that winning streak, I couldn't change what my what my <laughs> weekly routine was. But uh, I'm so pleased to be able to to speak to you again. As you said, we spoke to Dre Greenlaw earlier on. What a player he is! What what a defense this is! And I mean, how that man is not going to the Pro Bowl, I do not understand. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan was just talking to the media, and he mentioned of all the omissions, and I thought Charvarius Ward should have made it. Is anybody playing more physical at corner than him? And covering and what he did to DK Metcalf on Thursday night football was epic. And what he did to DeAndre Hopkins in Mexico city was so fun. Um, so he should be there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Are you serious? He didn't make it on, on offense. Um, but Dre, he's the, he's the heart and soul of this team. I, I would say the one thing is, can you take two linebackers from the same defense and put them on the pro bowl team? I'd say yes. I think it's when, when it's this defense playing as well as they are, Absolutely, you can, Greg. And he's the leading tackler. I mean, Fred's having a great year, but Dre's having a great year. You know what happens, Will, with the Pro Bowl? Guys make it way too many years after they should. You know, it's almost like like being a, a college professor. You get tenure and you, you're on the Pro Bowl team forever, even though you're not playing Pro Bowl football anymore. And then it, the other way, young players coming up, invariably it takes a year to make it. So I think he'll be a top candidate next year for whatever reason. But then how do you explain Talano Hufunga and him making it his first full year as a starter? I think it was that interception he had against Matthew Stafford on, on Monday Night Football, the pick six and the return. But Dre's playing great. Fred's playing great. Aziz Alshire's playing great. This defense is so suffocatingly good. The, how fast they play. That game in Seattle, for them to come off a, a, a tough physical game you know, 72 hours earlier, whatever it was, 96 hours earlier, uh, four days before against Tampa Bay. And to be so fast. And they just don't miss tackles. They remind me of two great defenses. I'm going to keep the, the Steelers of the 70s out and the 85 Bears. But more recently, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, who just physically, they, they didn't just tackle you. They would pound you into the ground and try to hurt you, led by Ray Lewis. And then John Lynch's 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were just pure speed. They were, you know, Warren Sapp, Darren Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, swarming so fast. This defense has the speed of the 2002 Buccaneers and then the ferocity to pound you into the ground. How about the play Jimmy Ward and, and Dre Greenlaw made on Travis Homer, Seattle's running back? It was like, boom, boom. They got him from each side and the ball comes popping out, so... The offense has picked up a lot since McCaffrey got here, Will, but this is one of the best defense. I think it's the best defense in football today. And I think when you look at the numbers and if they're able to win the Super Bowl, we can put it up with the 1984 49ers and the 1994 49ers as the best defenses in the history of the franchise. 
Yeah, for me, it's the best team, best defense I've watched since I started following the team in the kind of early part of this millennium. And and that's no disrespect to the John Harbaugh defense, which you know had some incredible Jim Harbaugh defense, sorry, which had some incredible players in there, and obviously a linebacking course similar to what we're seeing here, and guys like Justin Smith and and the guys on that line. But yeah, I just this defense is unreal to watch, and actually. Very early in the season, I I made comparisons with it being one of the better defenses of this millennium and kind of guys shouted me down and said, well, you know, how dare we say that when we've got teams like the Legion of Boom and we've got like the the Broncos that went and won it with Von Miller, of course, and that Peyton Manning team. And I'm like, I'm telling you now, hear me now, believe me later that this team is up there with those. Yeah, I mean, I went back further, the Legion of Boom, and they were historically, as far as points allowed, you go back to Bud Grant's Minnesota Vikings of the late 60s, early 70s, they were they were all that. Um, they always searched for that opposite corner to Sherman. They tried a couple of different guys, Brandon Browner, and then he got into trouble. But obviously Earl Thomas and Camp Chancellor and those linebackers in the front, they were great. The no-fly zone in Denver, uh, you know, they, they bought that secondary and traded for it. And they had a great, you know, pass rush with Vaughn Miller, DeMarcus Ware. Um, as far as Harbaugh's teams, strategically very different. Those teams were a, a, a cover four. They called it a soft four, kind of off. Their front is arguably the best. I, I think the quartet of linebackers, the, the early uh, 2010s 49ers had with Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Ahmad Brooks, and then Alden Smith, you can make the point that that's the best quartet of linebackers on one team in history, even better than the Dome Patrol, which they had in New Orleans in the 80s. But I would say, you know, Alden was more of an end, although he was, you know, a linebacker in a 3-4. But the, the, the one area of that defense, well, they didn't have corners like the 49ers have corners. I mean, you have, and, and, and you know, Emmanuel Mosley's out the year, so you're on your backup outside corner in Diamador Lenore, but how well is he playing? We mentioned Charvarius Ward. Uh, I don't, he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Maybe he'll make all pro. That happens sometimes. And then obviously Jimmy Ward going into the nickel and then, you know, getting to Sean Gibson and, and getting Talanoa as a starter. Uh, the safety play on those early uh, 2010 49ers were good with my our guy Dante Whitner and Deshaun Goldson, the missile. But the cornerbacks on this team is what I, I think this is. Yeah, I think you have to go back to Deion Sanders and Eric Davis and those guys in 94 to rival what you got here as far as cornerback play. So when you look at it, Bosa on the front, Fred and Dre Aziz, a linebacker, the corners, the safeties, they have no weakness. That's why this defense is suffocatingly good. I, I worry about getting overexcited. I really do, Greg. I worry about getting myself hyped for this. But on the other side of the ball, Christian McCaffrey's had every impact we expected him to. George Kittle looking healthy, the offensive line coming good at the right time, everything else coming together. But one young man who I don't think anyone could have expected the level of play we've seen over the last three, four weeks. Just talk to me about watching Brock Purdy in person and your level of surprise to see a Mr. Irrelevant become so relevant so quickly. Well, I, I don't think we've spoken about him since we've chatted, but I, I've been talking about Brock Purdy since August, Will. And I'm not going to say that I expected him to come in and have a quarterback rating of nearly 109 in the 11 quarters that he's played, but I, I, I'm also not shocked. 
because he was tremendously capable in, in training camp. He was decisive and accurate. I remember standing behind him when we went to Egan, Minnesota to scrimmage the Vikings. And I had to do a radio show, so I was kind of, you know, in that proximity. And I just stood physically on the field right behind him. And he's a little, he's taller than me, but not much. He's six feet, five, eight, seven inch tall. And the way he was able to manipulate the pocket, and they got some big guys in Minnesota, Danielle Hunter, Zadarius Smith. We may see them in, in January in a playoff game, a divisional playoff game, or who knows, maybe a challenge, who knows, championship game. But they're... Um, the way he just manipulated the pocket to slide a little bit, kind of Tom Brady-ish, to find a hole and then be decisive on where to go with the ball, being accurate. Uh, we saw it in his first preseason game against Green Bay, his clock management. They had, a, they had a lead in the fourth quarter, and he's snapping the ball five, four, three, two, snap. I'm like, wow. If Matt Ryan did that for Kyle in Super Bowl 51, he'd have a Super Bowl. You know, he didn't run the clock. Uh, have, you, have you said that to Kyle? He <laughs> kind of said that a couple of times. We have and that and a couple of missed uh, blocks and pass pro. But anyway, um, he's just so he, he was a, he made 47 starts at Iowa State. But then you got to go play, right? I, I mean, it's one thing to look good in August. And then you got to go play. And he's shown more athleticism than I thought he had to avoid the rush. And he runs a 4-8, 440. But at Iowa State, they ran he ran quarterback draws and quarterback powers and, and he ran the zone read and he's sneaky athletic. He has quick feet in short areas to avoid the rush. He's just not rattled. So I saw the skills, but you can't say, is he going to go play that well? You know, when he first came in off the bench against Miami, when Jimmy got hurt, he had a couple throws to the sideline that were wild. And he thought, whoa, you know, his heart rate is probably going pretty good here, but he calms himself down. He's a slow breather and he's just, He's a wonderful guy. He's the perfect rookie, Will, and he shuts his mouth. He doesn't say a word. And then when it's time to get in the huddle and take command now that he's QB1, he takes over. And they, they look at him like, whoa, this guy knows what he's doing. I'll tell you a story about his personality. He sits in front of me on the, on the airplane flying to and from games. And he did it in August. You know, we got 90 players on the team and every seat's taken. And he'd be in the seat directly in front of me. He never once reclined his seat. Maybe one time when we were flying all night somewhere after a game and he, he asked me, can I, you know, so he's that kind of guy. Can I bring my, hell, of course you can. And then after he made the team and we're in the back, you know, we got players and then the coaches up in front. He could have moved his seat up on the, in the airplane. And he came back and still sat in the back. And I said, why are you back here, dude? You should be up front. He goes, I, I, haven't, I haven't earned crap yet. I'm the same guy, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay back here. So it's just it's, it says a lot about who he is as a person. He now, by the way, has moved up, I think, to get a little more space, and he deserves it. But he's, he's unassuming. He's, he's the perfect rookie. He shuts his mouth when it's time to shut your mouth, and then he's the quarterback now, so he's got to be a leader. And when it's time to tell everybody in the huddle, shut up, I'm calling a play, even you, Trent Williams, they all shut up and they're like, whoa, this guy's our leader. Completely love that. If Yeah, if you've been taking a few hits in the ribs and maybe carrying a couple of energy, we'll allow <laughs> him to go and sit up in the comfy seats. That's right, absolutely right, right, fine. I right. yeah. uh, appreciate that. That's, that's, oh, that's I mean, it's, it's wonderful to hear. And I, 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 there's so much to take from what you've just said then, but in particular, 
the the thing that struck me outside of making some great throws and there was that fantastic Sports Illustrated piece about how they worked on his throwing motion and how they worked on his calves and and the way he stands and everything else. But I think for me, it's that that trait that's really stood out to me as a guy who is a rookie is that pocket presence and that ability to sense the pressure coming his way, knowing when to step up, knowing when to roll out. They run so many great boots with him, which I think Jimmy isn't as good on the move as that. And, and actually I like, I never thought that a seventh round rookie could be an upgrade on what we already had. And he's so smart that I just, I, I still, every single time I talk about him, I don't want to get over the top excited because I'm like, it's still only three games. It's still only, not even three games. Not even, but, 11 quarters. Yeah. But everything I've seen so far suggests to me that he's got everything up here. He does. And, and he's translating it in the right way. Without question, he sees the field. There's so many plays I could cite um, the last few weeks. You know, um, the touchdown pass he threw to Brandon Ayuk. What the double move? You know, if you watch him pre-snap, he's orchestrating everything. He's moving everybody around. Uh, they ran a, a double move, a stutter and go, a curl and go, and he's got to pump it. And you talk about your pocket presence. Akeem Hicks, big, huge defensive lineman, is going to obliterate him and just blow him up. And he stands in there and takes the hit, delivers the ball. It was a little underthrown, but he got it out in time and he got it deep enough where you could catch it for a touchdown. The touchdown run he had against Tampa Bay, when you're talking about his pocket presence, he, uh, they, you know, they, they rushed four, dropped seven, and zoned up on the goal line. George Kittle was the guy he was trying to get to. George wasn't open. So he just gets out of the pocket, and he's got Devin White, who's one of the fastest linebackers in football, runs a 4-4. And he makes one move on him at the one- or two-yard line and gets in the end zone untouched. But my favorite play, well, and you mentioned the, the rib injury, the oblique injury, he played in a lot of pain. He did not throw a football the, the days leading up to that game in Seattle, except in a ballroom on a walkthrough on Thursday. And uh, he made big throws to get him a lead. He hit his first 11 and all that, the two touchdown passes to Kittle. But the third and one, after Seattle got within one score, with two and a half minutes to play now, you got to pick up this third and one. Otherwise, you're putting it back to them and they can tie the game. And Kyle called a, a, you know, a rollout. He had Christian McCaffrey in the right flat. They take McCaffrey away right away. So he's decisive. He's just going to run. But because the nature of the injury is on the left side of his core, the way he has to slide, the ball cannot go on the right hand. It has to go. He's already practiced this to work this out. The ball's got to go on his left hand. And he knows once he goes into the slide as a quarterback, you're giving yourself up. So the moment you begin to slide, you're down right there. But he has the presence of mind to put the ball. It's not where his feet are, his body, it's the ball. So he extends the ball as far out as he can with his left hand, knowing he has to slide with the left hand and not the right. It's the only way he can execute it with the rib injury. And he's putting it back towards the field of play where they may get the ball from him. So all this is going through this little guy. And how is he processing all this? And amazing play. And he, Pete Carroll challenges it. Didn't think he got it. He got it. And he got it by, you know, a, a foot or two. So that's just, there's so many elements to his game in the pocket, out of the pocket, the scripted play, the unscripted play. But that play kind of encapsulates who he is to play through the injury and figure out a way to get it done despite all odds and in a creative way to slide and hold the ball. It was just brilliant. 
I'm still in my head going, don't get so excited, don't get so excited, don't get so excited. I, I mean, for me, the the first and 10 play he made to Debo Samuel out on the right sideline against the, against the Bucks, where he, he felt the pressure coming up. He made that slight move inside and then made that throw completely off platform. I just watched it and I go, you know, if Mahomes makes that throw, if... if if uh, you know, if Herbert makes that throw, we're not blinking twice. We're not going. Yeah, that's a brilliant play. That's the kind of play a top tier quarterback should be making. Uh, I'm very aware, Greg, that that we don't have a huge amount of time before the the game this weekend, with it being a, a slightly earlier kickoff. So, uh, let me just ask you about Washington. What you see from them? Still very much in playoff contention. Still, a, uh, they seem like a very good team in the trenches, but also a quarterback we can maybe pick on. So, how do you think these two teams match up? Well, they're going to get uh, Chase Young back. I, I didn't think he was going to play in this game, but he's going to play. And we saw him during the pandemic here. The 49ers had to go down and play in Glendale, Arizona, uh, the home of the Arizona Cardinals. So um, he had a sack in that game. He had a forced fumble against Jeff Wilson Jr. in that game. He wound up being defensive rookie of the year that year, made a Pro Bowl. Um, he's not Nick Bosa, but he's he's really good player. I was surprised. I didn't think he was going to play. He tore his ACL middle of last year. He's missed 22 straight games. So he's going to come back and be involved in a pitch count. I don't think he'll be in all the snaps, but maybe maybe comes in on third down. So he's at one end. Montez Sweat is at the other. And Chase is a powerful guy where Montez is long. He's 6'6", 260. He runs like a 4'4", 40 for an end. That's like insane. And then they've got the, the best set of interior tackles in football. Jonathan Allen is the better of the two. Deron Payne's a good player, uh, but they're both strong. So when you come at the 49er offensive line with that pass rush, their defense is physical. Jack Del Rigo's the coordinator, Will, and they are tough. And then Ron Rivera's the head coach being a linebacker. So you got two linebackers who grew up in the Bay Area. Rivera and Jack Del Rio are just tough. And then on offense, they, they're a tough team. They got a big back. This guy, Brian Robinson Jr., what a story. In late August, he gets into a, a, a attempted robbery, a, a carjacking. Uh, they shoot him twice in his right leg, one up on, on the hip and one down lower by his knee. Luckily, thank God, it didn't hit anything major. Uh, he was able to come back, and he's a big back. He weighs over 220 pounds, but he's shifty. They got another back, Antonio Gibson, who played wide receiver in college that they've converted to running back. So they are, they're going to try to run the ball. They, they lead the NFL in time of possession. And that's what the 49ers major in. The, 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 the Niners want to lead, you know, they, they want to win every game with 35 runs and 35 minutes of possession time. So it's going to be a battle of who has the ball more. They got some explosive players, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, um, and the quarterback, who they're, they're trying to liken the Brock Purdy story, Will, to Taylor Heineke. It's a nice story. Taylor's 29 years of age. He's been in and out of the league, and he doesn't have the skill set of Brock. He's crafty, and he's a gamer, and he can run a little bit. I remember that playoff game a few years ago against Tampa when he dove for the pylon. So he'll give it to you, but I don't think he's quite Brock. And what I expect, what we always expect, Nick Bosa and the 49er defensive line, that gold rush, to over, overwhelm him the way they overwhelmed Geno Smith, the way they overwhelmed Tom Brady the way they overwhelmed Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the way they overwhelmed Matthew Stafford. Do I have to go on here? I think you, I think you get the point. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a physical game. Maybe, maybe low scoring, we'll see. But uh, 
I always feel like the 49ers are the better team and should win the game. Tell you for nothing, those last three quarterbacks we face get the ball out a lot quicker than Taylor Heineke. Sacks coming this week, boys. Sacks coming Love this it. week. Uh, Greg, always an absolute joy. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us. We really appreciate it. We look forward to hearing some more touchdown San Francisco calls this weekend. You got it, Happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank you.